in case you're with us for the first time, um, you, you may not know that we as a church have been uh, battling with several of our members, uh, having gone through COVID and just kind of the waves of, of that, that first incident kind of uh, passing through. <clears throat> Things have been fairly well contained with that, but within the families of those who initially uh, picked up COVID, they're still seeing the effects of that, and that's, that's what we're seeing with Eric, Eric Knight. You've heard the name a couple times today, and, um, and he is truly, truly in the midst of a battle, and many of you have been standing with him in it in prayer. Um, last Sunday, you heard me share about the effects of the, the prayers that we offered on behalf of Thelma and her family, and, and Daryl is, is here. He shared a wonderful testimony with you, just the, almost the play-by-play, minute-by-minute, what God was doing as we had been praying uh, for his return to see his mother, which, which the Lord answered our prayers in that. And, um, and so today I just want to share with you an update of where Eric is, to the best of my knowledge at this point in time, uh, because we did put out an, another urgent call for prayer, uh, I believe it was yesterday, uh, for him, actually the day before, uh, an urgent call for prayer. So Last night, I got this, Eric is still prone until tomorrow morning. His O2 sats are at 95% and only 60% ventilator. That's very good news. Praise God, there's very little mucus and now no mucus plugs, just the regular amount. And the docs will order uh, blood work to get his inflammatory markers tomorrow. That's sometime today that's going to happen. That came late last night. I wanted to share that with you here this morning. And then this morning I heard from Nancy um, that he's still prone to when the nurse tried to turn his head. His heart rate went up, his O2 sats went down, and his heart experienced AFib. That's a new thing we need to be praying against right there. Uh, They've put him on an EKG and uh, an AFib drug. His heart is now normal. He is on 50% ventilation, and he has 100% O2 sats. Those are all very positive. Also, his blood gas looks good. <laughs> Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. I just want to thank everybody who's been praying with us for him. And, uh, man, I was weeping like a baby up here as we sang that song at the end. Just praying over his daughter and, and him, and she's here in the, in the room with us, Sarah. We're glad to have you home with us. Um, sorry for the occasion, but glad to have you with us. We've been sending out emails to you, and we've also been sending texts and whatnot. And so that we don't keep spamming you with emails, what we've decided to do is we're on our, on our Our Father's House page. We're actually going to have an unlisted page, which means you can't actually stumble across it. You have to know the address to get there. Uh, to give updates for Eric. We're going to text that out to, to all of our, our Father's House family. Essentially, it's this. It's uh, HTTPS colon double backslash ourfathershouseag.org slash EK slash EK for Eric Knight. And you can go in there. You can actually see all the emails that we've sent. So you can roll back through and just kind of see the time history and the dates for those emails. So you can see the path that we've been on, and that's where we're going to be sending updates as we get them, okay? Uh, so again, we're going to send that, that information out uh, to all of our folks, um, but if we could, um, Lindsay, are you able to actually put that up on the screen? 
I'll say it again. <laughs> HTTPS colon slash slash our father's house AG, all one word, dot org slash ek. Slash. And that's where you can go and you can find all of those. Uh, you can pull that up on your phone. It, it's, it's, a, it's a great way to get in there and just uh, bookmark it and come back and, and visit that. Uh, there you go. That's, that's it. And um, we encourage you to go out there, uh, refresh that. And if there's anything urgent that comes out, we'll send a text so that you know to go there to the, the website and check it out. Um, but we are just really blessed to see... Um, just how the Lord has been responding to our prayers in this. Um, we put that call out, and we have seen a significant change. As you know, if you've been following along, that these are all really, really, really good news. And so I wanted you guys to have that. Um, this has been such an, an interesting season. I keep using that word. It's interesting. Pastor Lanny said to me, what would we do if we didn't have that word? said we'd have to be much more descriptive in our language. <laughs> but a couple of things. I just want to start off this whole sermon by saying many thank yous to you as a people. Uh, on behalf of the, the Dent and Sparks family, all of the work and effort that went into supporting them throughout this time and uh, the memorial service that we had yesterday... Um, in, in the times that we have ahead of us as well. We know it doesn't end with a memorial service. There's the, the processing of life afterwards. And I know so many of you are have already been helping in practical ways and are looking to help in practical ways. And so I just want to thank you already uh, for everything that you've done and what you're yet to do here. Um, also, major thanks to all the practical support that has been offered to the Knight family. Uh, throughout the past uh, several weeks. You guys have been showing up in so many ways, and it's not something that's advertised broadly. Um, like I said yesterday, the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing, and it's, it's beautiful to see how you're all moving behind the scenes, bringing food and, uh, and practical needs, and uh, just taking care of them during this time, as well as all of those that you have, have been praying uh, so fervently for Eric and, and the family. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Personally, I want to thank everybody who has been praying for our family and has been doing just beautiful, practical, thoughtful things for us, just demonstrating to, to us that you, that you love us and, and others that are really in the front lines of caring for these households. Uh, the, the, the self-care inside the body is, is really beautiful right now. And... I, I see a lot of it because of the position that I that I'm in. Most of you don't see all of these things, but my my report to you is that you are all taking care of one another very well right now, and I just want to commend you for that. Um, it's it's wonderful, and most of all, I want to thank those that have just been bathing this entire season in prayer. It hasn't just been one thing. It hasn't just been two things. It's been more like five or ten things that are happening simultaneously. And, and I thank everybody for the prayers that you've been offering, but also those that have just been praying over this entire time. This season has been bathed in prayer, and we have just seen the Lord come through in so many ways. And so I just want to commend all of you for that and thank you for what God is doing uh, in and amongst us and how your prayers have been, I believe, moving things forward 
through the Spirit here into reality. God's been doing some incredible things, and I saw a, I saw a quote that popped up on, from Bill Johnson the other day that just really resonated with me, so I'm just going to share it with you here. He said, We are prone to discouragement that leads to unbelief whenever our attention is on what God isn't doing as opposed to what he is doing. Like Tim asking the question, God, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing this? Posing that as the things that, that come up in us, right? Anybody else? Am I, I'm not the only one, right? Okay, why aren't you doing this? But when we focus on the things that he is doing, our hearts trust in him. We're looking for where's, where is the evidence of what God is doing? And sometimes it's little things, sometimes it's enormous things. We bring testimonies like Tim's forward in the midst of this, this tumultuous season that we're in to hear about the goodness of God in very practical, meaningful ways coming forward and, and delivering miracles to us in the midst of this time. It's huge. It is so huge. And we can't or we shouldn't minimize those things in any way. He's been doing great, great things, and I'm so thankful for him. Uh, he, you know, I was, I was just looking this, this last week, seeing everything that's been happening and all the challenges we've been through, and I was in that place in my heart, like, Lord, why, what are you doing in bringing us through this right now? I mean, we're getting battered and bruised and beat up right now. And then he brought me back to thinking and reflecting on the service we had this last Sunday. Just as, as one thing, just the service we had this last Sunday. We're in the midst of all of this bad news and calamity to everything that we've been receiving through that week. And it just felt like one thing kept coming after another. We saw his people come together fervently in prayer. We saw he come here together in worship, and lay it all out before the Lord. We had a young minister deliver an incredible message here. Josh Wagner did a phenomenal job in his first public message before the congregation on a Sunday morning. Did a phenomenal job. And the prayer afterwards wasn't just a, well, yes, amen, let's go to the football game type of a prayer. You guys... We're praying here last Sunday to see the response of his people in the midst of this, not to fall away from him, but to press in and lean into him. And so I want to just draw our attention to that and say God is moving among us in the midst of this time in powerful ways. Now, there's, there's been a, a period of time where just recently... The Lord's been stirring my heart on, on growing our aptitude and our capacity as a people here at our Father's house for prayer. For dynamic corporate prayer. We have dynamic corporate worship. We have dynamic corporate ministry. But I just been feeling this drawing from the Lord into, into prayer as a people. Publicly, 
privately, as we gather together, I've just felt like the Lord just saying, I've got more for you in this. I've got more for you as a people in this. And I said to him, Lord, yes, but I don't even know how to get there. How do we do that? What do you want to do? And so I've just been praying before him for that. Lord, show us a way. How is it that you would have us do that? How would you engage us in that? How do we draw people in towards that? How do we help lift their eyes in that for a higher expectancy for what, what that engagement with you can be and with one another? And some of you I've been talking with about it. Those of you I know are prayer warriors. Like, tell me what you know. <laughs> what is it that the Lord's put on deposit here for us that he wants to grow and he wants us to invest in? And suddenly, we have opportunity where in one week we held two prayer vigils and we saw over 50 sign-ons on the first one, over 30 sign-ons on the second one. And in each of those, you've got, in some cases, multiple people on each line. And the Lord has been drawing us together and those prayers have been powerful, powerful times for us, corporately. And in every conversation I'm with, with any of you over the past week, there's always the question there. Do you have any more news on Eric? Can you tell me what's going on with Eric? Any, any updates on Eric? I get texts. I get phone calls. I get all this. What does that tell me as your pastor? That you're praying for Eric. That he is constantly on your mind and on your heart and you are, you are going before the Lord and interceding for him. And I'm saying, yes, Lord, thank you. Because you're doing the work that you have You've already been priming the pump on for us. And he's doing that work in us. And we're seeing him coming forward and and really delivering in ways only he can. So I just praise him for it. I praise him for the work that he's doing among us. This has been a challenging time. It's been a labor-intensive time for us. It's been an emotional time. It's been, like we said here earlier today, it's, it's been stormy and rocky seas. So I'm going to start there this morning with Jesus in the boat. We've been here before, but we're going to, it's good to keep revisiting this. We've been through some stormy and rocky seas in many ways. But I'm going to start there this morning in Mark chapter 4. So I'd ask for you to turn there. We've been doing a lot of expository preaching, really digging into specific stories and, and themes and whatnot. But today, I'm going to be taking a bit of a different tack. We're going to be in the Word, as we have been, absolutely. But I felt like the Lord has really wanted to refresh us. So Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35. <clears throat> And if you haven't been with us recently, I'll just tell you, we've been reading a lot of scripture in our sermons. Why am I doing that? Because we need to hear the word of God. We need to get our Bibles open, whether it's on your phone or it's hard copy. You need to get your Bible open. You need to be highlighting it. You need to be annotating it. You need to be underlining things that are jumping out at you because you've got to live inside this thing. 
I'm going to jump ahead of myself. I'm not careful. So I'll slow down. Starts here. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Now remember, many of these guys have had a living on the water. This is their environment. Not all of them, but many of them. This is their environment. So the waves are crashing over the boat. It's nearly swamped, which means the boat, the vessel that they're in, is in a place right now where it's about to capsize and sink, and they, they could lose their lives. So it's not like it was just rough out there and they were scared. There's a difference. There's a difference. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. I just love that. He was sleeping on a cushion. And here they are, everything's about to go wrong in, in their environment. Everything in their context is, is about to come to an end. And here's the Lord in the back of the boat, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? The question we asked earlier and posed is an echo of the same type of question. Well, why are you doing this? Don't you care about this person? Why haven't you healed this person? Why isn't this all working out? Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Hallelujah, Lord. When we go through life, we encounter storms. It is part of life. Whether you know Jesus or not. If anybody told you that when you come to Jesus, all of your problems are going to go away and his life's going to get easier, they, they lied to you. If you still came to Jesus because of that, amen, we're happy. But they lied to you. It doesn't mean that your life will get easier. In fact, and I think in some ways, life can get more challenging. However, I'd rather have Jesus in my boat with me. In the midst of the storms of life, we can find, just as the disciples did, that Jesus is still at rest in the midst of the storm. He's still at rest in the midst of the storms that we're going through right now. We've had some water over, our, over the sides of our boat. Some of us are wor- worried that we're going to get swamped, that this is the end. How can it get better from here? And we look back and there's our Lord still resting in the midst of the storm. Now he invites us into that same place of rest with him. He's always inviting us back to that place of rest with him to where we get to have the opportunity to see from his perspective above this thing. That there's another side to this storm. There's other things that are active going on in this storm. 
and that he at any moment has the power by his word to calm the storm completely. Now he can choose to calm that storm, but sometimes as that song says, he calms his child in the midst of that storm. He calls us to grow through our experiences in our maturity with him to be that calm in the midst of the storm. Because the same spirit that was alive in him is, in life, is alive in us who are in him. In Romans chapter 15, we find this. We who are strong, this is verse 1, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good, to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The scriptures are written for us to go back. One of, one of the things... One of the reasons why the scriptures are written is for us to be able to have a record of those who endured in the Lord and put their faith and trust and hope in Him and how He brought them through. Because we ourselves are going to face trials. We ourselves are called to places of endurance. And we ourselves need the encouragement of God's Word to know He will never leave us and He will never forsake us. Because He never left them and He never forsook them. He was more faithful than they ever were towards him, just like we are in our own lives. But he's calling us to grow in our, mature, in, in our maturity in him as representatives of him by the trials and the challenges that we face throughout our lives. Several years ago, I shared a message about being a rock in a hard place. Does anybody remember that message? Is anybody still around that was there for that message? Be a rock in a hard place. <clears throat> we actually started using that as kind of our, our tagline for our men's ministry. Be a rock in a hard place. Uh, I brought with me today the, the picture that kind of kicked that whole thing off for me. I'll share that with you here. Sorry, Lee, I'm moving all your music. But I found this picture kind of been cast aside and it spoke to me. Can you see that? Try to position that so you guys can see it. Sorry for everybody in the alcoves. You might not be able to see that. It looks like this. This pointy, almost Gibraltar type of rock. It's got to be somewhere up in the North Atlantic, I think. It just it looks like that. Maybe the North Pacific, I don't know. But it's, it's this very arid rock in just kind of popping up out of the ocean. And what I love about it is that there's this debris field underneath it. And it looks like stormy seas around it. And it's gray and it's grim. And 
uninviting, right? And as I saw this picture, I thought, wow, this, this picture, there's something in this here. Lord, what are you saying to me in this picture? And what I heard him say, bless you, is you're not between a rock and a hard place. I've called you to be a rock in a hard place. God is our rock. It says that Jesus was the stone that the builders rejected. I think it's interesting that he calls us little stones as well. Because he's made us that as we grow and we mature in him and as we put him on display, how could we do differently than ultimately being a rock like him. So we face these trials. We face these challenges. We face these tribulations because he's fashioning us. And just like this rock that's out here on this promontory that gets weathered over time and there's this debris field, we can probably look back at our lives and say, the etchings of the Lord as he has revealed himself in me, has required pieces of me to fall away in this debris field. One of the things I love about this picture is if I was out on this, these stormy seas, I'd probably be heading towards this rock. If I could get to it, I'd be secure. And it's weathered the storms, and it's been there in those hard places. And it can be a refuge. When we go through trials and challenges and when we're feeling shaken, it's important for us to cry out to the Lord. It's important for us to worship Him. It's also important for us to get in His Word. To get in his word. I love what Tim shared with you today. Because even as he could not cry out with his mouth, he was able to cry out to the Lord in his mind and in his spirit. And he he was praying scripture back to God. Because he had hidden God's word in his heart. That in his day of great trial, what came forward, what came forth in him? Out of the wellspring of his spirit came God's words back to him even inaudible. But the Lord knows what we're thinking. He knows what's going on in our heart. And as Tim cried out to him, the Lord rescued him in his day of great need. So it's important for us to get into his word. So I'm just going to read some of his word to us today. Because does anybody need comfort this morning? Does anybody need encouragement this morning? I'm going to put two hands up for myself, because I need both of those. And as I've just been reading through his word, it's like, Lord, we get washed by the water of his word. And when you go through life, and I heard Bill Johnson talk about that. I I quote him all the time. I can't help it. So quotable. He is talking about how as you go through life, and as you go through your day, you just get the muck and the mire of your job and your bad conversations and all this stuff on you. 
And when you come to the, come to the word, you may not have sinned in any of, any of that situation. But as you come to the word, his word can just wash you. He can come and just, just infuse you with his presence and just wash things away. Things that, that seem so big in your mind, as you hear his word, can just fall away from you. So we're just going to read some scripture this morning. And, and for me, I'm reading scriptures that many of them, for me, have been anchor points. Anchor points that I have discovered in my own trials with the Lord. Whereas I've been casting around in scripture, you find the ones that hold as you're going through life. Well, Psalm 21 did nothing for me. Psalm 22 did nothing for me. Psalm 23. That one's holding right now. Right? Let's read Psalm 23. Some of you probably recite it. I'm going to read it from the NKJV because I think it just sounds better. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely... Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hallelujah. Lord, we just thank you for that. We thank you for that. Pastor Dan, preaching my message again, made reference to Psalm 34. This is one that has been a, a deep anchor for me. Psalm 34. I love Pastor Dan. I just love it. I love how he goes for it. And we've been on some some of the same wavelengths recently with the Holy Spirit. So I wasn't surprised when he brought up Psalm 34 this morning. I thought, yeah, man, he must have been reading my notes somehow. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. I'm going to pause there for a second. I wrote a note here somewhere along the lines, somewhere along my path here. It said, it's contagious. Think about that. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. We boast in the Lord. We, We give testimony in His goodness and We praise his name and we boast in him. Those who are afflicted can hear and rejoice. It's contagious. Have you ever noticed how you start talking about the Holy Spirit and what he does? Start getting goose pimply? His presence shows up. He he loves when we talk about him. He He likes to come and get close to us when we start talking about him. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. 
Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow hungry, grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and turn your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. See, I told you they were lying. Because the righteous have troubles. If you have troubles, it doesn't mean that you, you're stumbling some way or you, you sinned. You may have sinned, but it doesn't mean that that's what's taken place. We face troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's go to Psalm 121. You may not resonate with all of these passages of Scripture, but I'm pretty confident that something here, you're going to cast a broad net, is going to is going to capture your heart and draw you closer to him. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Thank you, Lord. Turn back the other way to Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. 
the Lord Almighty, the Lord Almighty is with us. The, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. I love how he says, be still and know that I am God. In the context of of this passage, he's speaking to he's speaking the same words to two people, and it has a different effect. If you're the one under siege, and God says to you, "Be still and know that I am God," there's a comfort to it. If you're his enemy, and he says, "Be still and know that I am God," that has a totally different effect on you. We who are close to the Lord and are His can be stilled in that place knowing that He is the one who is doing battle for us. Thank you, Lord. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 40. And we're going to start in verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. What does that translate to for us? Why does God not see where I'm go- what I'm going through? Why has he left me? I must, I must be too insignificant for him to care about what I'm going through. He cares about other people. He doesn't care about me. We've, we've never had those lies come up in our minds, have we? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. We keep putting our hope in him. Despite what you're seeing, despite what you're feeling, keep putting your hope in him, your trust in him. Don't let your eyes be drawn to the right or to the left. Put your trust and hope in things that are around you. Always, always faith in Him. Thank you, Lord. Isaiah 43. One through three. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob. He who formed you, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by my name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. 
For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. He is the one. He is our only Savior. By the way, if you don't have an audio version of the Bible app, you should get one. (laughs) Just as a reminder. If you're someone who does a lot of driving and you listen to podcasts and things like that, you can also just hit play on your Bible and you can end up consuming a lot of the Word. Just a tip for pros. Let's go to Psalm 91. This one. This one. This is one that will attend to you in some of your darkest places. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. You could stop right there and go home. (laughs) I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. Thank you, Lord. He will cover you with, the, with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the most high your dwelling, even the Lord, who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra, You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life, and will will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I went through depression several years ago, and this right here was a passage I came back to regularly because I needed those promises of the Lord in His truth to stamp out the lies that were raging in my mind. But don't start at Psalm 91, you should keep reading. Psalm 92, it is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, to proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night, to the music of the ten-stringed lyre and to the melody of the harp. For you make me glad by your deeds, O Lord. I sing for joy at the works of your hands. How great are your works, O Lord. How profound your thoughts. 
The senseless man does not know. Fools do not understand that though the wicked spring up like grass and the all evildoers flourish, they will be forever destroyed. But you, Lord, are exalted forever. For surely your enemies, O Lord, surely your enemies will perish. All evildoer, evildoers will be scattered. You have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. Fine oils have been poured upon me. My eyes have seen the defeat of my adversaries. My ears have heard the rout of my wicked foes. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming, The Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. But don't stop there. Go to Psalm 93. I'm going to quote Bill Johnson again. He recommends, and I've tried this, open up the Psalms and start reading until you can hear yourself. Start reading until you can hear your voice and what's being shared there. There's an entire range of what's shared in the Psalms, range of emotions, all the way from the triumphant everything to I am the lowest low of anything. You can find yourself in there. So just read until you, until you do. So we're going to go on to Psalm 93. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and is armed with strength. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. The seas have lifted up, O Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves, mightier than the thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Your statutes stand firm. Holiness adorns your house for endless days, O Lord. I just love that. We've been talking about the crashing waves and the pounding thunder. We have this picture here of this rock. It's been eroded by the storms that it's faced across time. He's always after something in us. I really believe those, those waves and those Storms and the crises and the processes and the trials and the tribulations that we go through, they etch us and reveal more of Him as we lean into Him during those times. We find more of Him. We dig away at the stuff that just needs to, needs to come off. And what gets revealed in us is Him. Because it's his strength that helps us to stand. Like it says in Ephesians, Pastor Lanny quoted this yesterday, when you can do nothing else, stand. I remember during one of our greatest trials as a family as we were going through our first pregnancy, and I think I've shared this before, it was such a hard trial for us. And I remember just giving it all to the Lord. Lord, I don't know how this thing's going to turn out. 
But no matter what, if he lives or dies, I'm going to continue to serve you. And I had this picture in my mind of just being in this this rushing current that I had no power to overcome. But the word of the Lord is just stand. Just to keep standing, that's going to be enough. Just stand. You don't have to do anything. You can't beat this thing. Just stand. And the only reason we can keep standing isn't because we can well that thing up inside us and say, look how strong I am. I can, I can do this in my own strength. No, you're, you can't do it in your own strength. You need him. He brings us to those points beyond breaking so that we find strength in him. It's by his mercy right now for us that he won't allow us to stop leaning into him. Because he needs for us to know that we can trust him and that we can find him in that place. Let's go to Romans 8. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Remember Pastor Dan's message here this morning. He loves you. Not only does he love you, he greatly loves you. Nothing can separate you from his love. Nothing. Thank you, Lord. Go to chapter 12 of Romans and verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. It goes on from there. But these are the things that I was sharing with you earlier that we're seeing the evidence of among us. That faithfulness in prayer, the hospitality towards one another in the body of Christ, mourning with those who are mourning, keeping our spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. We're seeing the evidence of Scripture among us as a body. Praise the Lord, because that's the work that He's been doing in us. We thank you, Lord.
Go back to chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. We're taking a beating. Don't be offended by what I'm about to say. The Lord's beating on us. This is not punishment. This isn't a spanking. When the craftsman, a blacksmith, is shaping something, what does he have to do to that metal? He beats on it. He plunges it into fire to soften it. And then he takes it and expertly beats on it. Beats on it. And he beats on it. And he beats on it. Not because he's angry with the metal. But because he is shaping something. He's forging something. He's very carefully applying the right impact in the right places. Through that process, you've seen it. Think about those videos. You see the, the, the flakes of metal that fall off, right? Stuff that's never going to make it through to the finished product is falling away. And he plunges it back into the fire again. And he pulls it back out. And he beats on it some more. And he puts holes where there's holes that are needed for things to be attached to it. He might fold that thing over again and over again and over again to elongate those grains in the metal to make it stronger so it can bear the load that it's intended for. Otherwise, it would shatter and fracture And it would never accomplish the purpose that he was creating it for. Can the clay say to the potter, what are you making? We're in the hands of the Lord. And it is his intention to fashion us into a masterpiece. Not only to be looked at and observed but to be functional for a specific purpose. He's called us each to that individually. and He's called us to that as a body. That we're to work together. That we're to be shaped into his masterpiece, into his creative design to uniquely impact 
those that he sends us to and those he sends to us. So as we're in this reshaping, we press on in him. We remember that he hasn't, he hasn't said to us, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. That's how we feel, right? If I go this way, it's bad. If I go this way, it's bad. But God's perspective is, no, you are called to be a rock in a hard place. You are called to be a refuge for those who are in the midst of the storm. I've called you to this storm. To where, like Christ, we can be in that place of rest in the midst of the storm and offer strength to others. Sometimes he gives us authority to silence the storm. Now, some of us in this time have been rocks in many hard places. Some of you have needed those rocks. God's growing all of us, and he's maturing all of us. Some of us have been able to be a refuge. Others have needed refuge. And he gets the glory for all of it. So don't measure yourself in this and say, well, I can't be a rock in a hard place right now because I'm floundering in the storm. It's okay. He's not done with you yet. Cling to those rocks that are around you. And recognize that God is shaping you as well to be that. If you're not there today, it's okay. He's provided rocks for you. If you're the rock there in that hard place and you keep finding yourself as a refuge, be that refuge. Be that refuge. Know that he's called you to the storm. And know that for all of us, he is shaping us through this. He's not surprised by any of this. He will have his way. He is sovereign over all of it. The outcome is in his hands. And no matter what that outcome is, he is faithful and true and his name will be praised and we will see his goodness because that is exactly who he is. As we prayed today, when Lee was singing, it was like song prayer. As we were singing blessings over one another, We're just singing blessings over our loved ones who are struggling right now. I don't know about you, but just could just feel personally just the waves of his presence just coming out from that. I don't yet know what that's going to accomplish. And I don't have to know to participate in it. I just get to be thankful in the process and say, Lord, I know you're shaping us. I know you're encouraging us. I can see the work of your hands among us. I'm watching you draw us together, Lord, unifying your body as we care for one another and as we focus on you together. These are things that only he can do, folks. But as we trust in him, his name is glorified. And we become more accurate representatives of our Father. 
Today we have with us our Pastor Emeritus, Pastor Lanny Clark. I've asked him this morning to come and lead us in communion. He's not with us all the time, so while he's in town, I'm going to take advantage of him. <laughs> in the best of ways. You know, yesterday when we had our, uh, our memorial service, we were honored to be able to serve the family and our church family together. And I loved being able to sit here in the seat and hear my father speak. As, uh, as Mahesh Chavda would put it, I'm a young Jedi. <laughs> Still learning the ways. But you know, if you've been with Pastor Lanny for five minutes that you are in the presence of a master. You're in the presence of one who is acquainted with the ways of the Lord because he's deeply acquainted with the Lord. So, would you come please lead us through communion this morning, sir? Please rise and welcome him. Bless your hearts. Thank you. You know, Patty and I have said for years, as people have come and gone from this fellowship and community out into the world only to return, there's there's a bungee cord that keeps pulling you back here. So here we are again. In listening to uh, Pastor Jay challenge us to recognize that we are called to be a refuge for others. Not just individually, which some of us are able to be for others, but corporately for the benefit of putting the kingdom of God on display. As we migrate more and more into an understanding of the gospel of the kingdom, we realize that salvation is not only personal. It is, in fact, a collaborative experience where Jesus gets to manifest himself in a spirit of unity through a variety of expressions that we call persons and personalities. In the shortcoming of people being introduced to Christ through the gospel of salvation as opposed to the gospel of the kingdom, we come to a place where we have to begin to ask questions of ourselves. If we are a follower of Jesus, then it's inherent upon us individually and corporately to do some self-assessments from time to time. I can't imagine that anyone here this morning is unaware that the world is in chaos. There is turmoil everywhere, and our nation has not been spared this turmoil. And as I have observed the reactions of people in general, and God's people in particular, 
I've become concerned for what I see manifesting in the church that calls itself Jesus Christ. I think it's time for us to be asking some questions. Is my agenda more important than the Lord's? Are my opinions more informative than his commands? Because from my point of view, I'm watching the body of Christ tear itself apart by being focused on personal agendas, not kingdom priorities. And unfortunately, we are without excuse because we have the word of God and the spirit of God to reveal the purpose of God through us to others. I'm anticipating that in the coming months, we're going to see some refinement in the body of Christ. Because the foolishness that has become idiotically displayed in most any public forum that you want to look at is not going to go unchallenged by the Holy Spirit. So in this moment of communion, I want to remind us of something very, very simple. Out of the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, the first four verses. Now, I'm, I'm aware that you're aware of these verses. But we're going to look at them again because I believe the Lord is giving us a window of opportunity to embrace personal refinement for our corporate good and the advancement of his purposes through us. As a prisoner for the Lord, are you? The prison epistles are written from prison. But once you're purchased by the blood of Christ, who do you belong to? Christ. You are now a prisoner for the Lord. You have yielded up certain freedoms in order to enter eternal freedom. Then I urge you to live in a manner worthy of the calling you have received. Now there's one calling that is universal to those who respond to the Lord, and it's the same thing he said to his own when he uttered these words, Come, follow me. Our lifetime vocation is following after the Lord. And the road gets more and more narrow. The more you yield to the Lord, the smaller the company you travel with. The more demands that certain things be put aside to come through the narrow gate. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle 
Be patient, bearing with one another in love. I want to suggest to you that there's whole-scale abdication of this one sentence to our shame. We're not only not being humble and not being patient, but we're being aggressive toward one another in unkind posts, accusing fellow members of the body of Christ of leaving the faith because they don't agree with your perspective. We are in serious, serious trouble with the Lord. Don't think for a moment the church is going to get away with this nonsense. Pressing on. Aren't you glad you came? (laughs) Make every effort... I'm just so heartbroken about so many situations right now. Make every effort to keep the unity that has been given to us. Be diligent. Exercise yourself with intentionality to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. People I love Abandoning one another over politics. Politics. We are the alternative to that. The kingdom is the only place we can show the reality of reconciliation. Where we see the multifaceted diversity of God's people from every tribe, nation, and tongue walking together in harmony. Not brutalizing one another. We are the answer. We've got to own the responsibility to be the answer. There's no place for this nonsense in the body of Christ. You can't call yourself a follower of Jesus and participate in the nonsense that Christians are promoting in the name of Christ. Where we beat up one another. We curse authorities. We look just like them. Make every effort. Hold on to the unity that the Spirit has graciously given us because as Pastor read moments ago, we have been given that Spirit. There is how many bodies? How many spirits? One. How many callings? One. And how how much hope? Beloved, I'll get it out. 
with intentionality. I have devoted my life to the welfare of his bride. And I'm so, so disheartened by what I have seen manifested. But I'm equally encouraged because the Lord has allowed life to expose us to us. And there are pockets of repentance that are occurring across this great land as people are recognizing our wisdom, our strength, our solutions are inadequate. It is my firm conviction that the Holy Spirit's finger is stirring this pot and that his goal is always that we become more fully conformed to the image of the one we represent. I try as best I can guard my emotional life. I don't squander it on Hallmark movies. I knew you were out there somewhere. I'm always taken captive by stories or films about loyalty, courage, sacrifice. Because those are emblematic of the king we serve, who is the picture of each of those qualities. And we have the opportunity to stand up in him as people of courage and self-sacrifice and loyalty to him and to one another. You hold in your hand a token that is global and historical. And it ties us to those who have gone before us, those we walk with today, And we will be part of the legacy that the future generations will have when they hold this. What will we pass to them? A broken and frayed picture of the bride of Christ? Or will we be willing to participate in seeing her become the glorious one from every tribe, nation, and tongue? Because we have allowed what we grew up in to be eroded from us to expose what is in us. We call this communion. I like the English language because it's English. And I would suggest to you this represents our common union through the blood of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I trust that in the disciplines you're recapturing, the encouragement that pastor's given us to remain faithful to the word, 
You know, part of, part of my devotional life right now, before I start any other kind of prayer in the morning, I force myself to pause and remember yesterday. What am I thankful for from yesterday? I've been doing this for a while. I've got pages of one-liners of thanksgiving I can give to God. And when, when I'm disheartened, I start to read that list to him. It's like David saying in the Psalms, Oh, my soul, why art thou disquieted? We shall yet hope in God. I shall yet praise his name. Turning our attention back to the hills from which comes our help should be part of our daily routine and throughout our day. You've got to remind yourself you're not a victim of what's taking place. You're a representative of the one who's guiding what's taking place. We have to hold on to that. Father, I thank you for your unbridled love to we, your broken people. I thank you for the incredible grace that you have extended to us and allowing the Holy Spirit to enter into us and begin this remarkable work of transformation. I thank you, Father, for the willingness that you have demonstrated in agreeing with your Son that we were worth redeeming. And the price you paid for us to be reunited with our eternal Father. Lord Jesus, the testimony of your grace is a challenge to our lives. But it is that very grace that empowers us to become like you. I pray in this moment for those of us gathered here and those we represent that we will become better representatives of who you want us to be by releasing from our own ideas and ideologies to become people of the kingdom. You and your kingdom, us, your representatives, this priority from you, in us, through us, to our world around us. To that end, Lord, I celebrate your death, your burial, and your resurrection. And we take these elements, reaffirming our commitment to do well by you until you come. In Jesus' name, take and eat. Come by and pick up the cups along the aisles here. Thank you, Pastor Lanny. We live in a sobering time. 
it's important for us to, to be sober in this time about the reality of what we are facing. Living in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called, we've been called to the highest way. It's only possible by the Spirit of God being alive in us. But each day, we have a choice to make about how we're going to follow Him. He must be our priority. It's all about Jesus. It's all about his kingdom. We are representatives of his kingdom. And I agree with what Pastor Lanny said. I, that there is a time coming of some serious refinement for the body of Christ. The sooner we align our hearts with that reality, the better for us. Obedience can be very challenging. But it always goes better for you if you're obedient. If the Lord's stirring anything in you, if he's been fingering anything in you that says, this is what I'm... This is what I'd like to deal with right now. That means his grace is here present for that right now in this season. You guys understand that? As we move through our journey with the Lord, he progressively removes things from us. I'm convinced that if he just pulled everything away, the moment we walked through the door, we'd just drop dead. But because he's gracious with us, and he's compassionate with us, and he's abounding in mercy, and kindness, and goodness, he brings things to our attention in a time when we're ready. And it might be challenging, but it's always worth it. It's always worth it. As we've shared here today, his presence has been with us. He's been really showing up for us. He's been showing up in spite of us. But as we've been coming to him, he is so good. His mercy is so great. And his kindness is so amazing. So I encourage you in this hour that seek the Lord while he might be found. Be in his word. Be in prayer. Be in relationship with one another. Encourage one another. Strengthen one another. Pray with one another. Pray for one another. And yield to the Lord whatever he would be requiring of you in this hour. As we finish out today, I'd invite you that if there's anything that's on your heart, 
the Lord's been stirring on you today to just come up here to the altar and lay it before him. I'm going to stand over here to the side. If you feel like you need prayer for anything, I'd invite you to come and let me pray for you. And we may have others that come up here as well. Pastor, I'd appreciate you to be up here as well. You don't need to have us pray for you, but some of you might feel like you really need to, and that's okay. So I just encourage you to come forward. But if you just want to spend some time with the Lord here at the altar, just lay it out for him. He's so intimate. He's so personal. He knows all of the things already. So you can just lay them down at his feet. He doesn't want you carrying them anymore. Would you please rise? After I pray, if you don't need to lay anything at the altar this morning, you are free to be released. I would ask that you go through the doors here so that those that would like to come to the altar may be able to do so. Uh, in some some degree of quietness. All right. So, Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, that we've been able to hear your word today. Lord, we thank you for how you've brought comfort and encouragement to our hearts. We also thank you, Lord, for how you have been drawing us into a more and more narrow way. We thank you for your kindness and your grace and your mercy to us in doing that, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you would refine us Lord, that you would refine us for your purpose. Lord, that we would wake every day and remember that you have called us to a high calling and that we can only represent you well because of your spirit that is alive within us. Lord, let us be led by your spirit. We ask for your gentle hand to lead us and guide us. We ask for your strength to come and give us strength in our weakness. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for your wisdom and your revelation. I thank you for your discernment. And I thank you for your comfort in this hour to us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Love you all. We'll be updating you on anything that's coming up. By the way, if you have not already signed up for Josh's Bible class, please do. You can join us in person or you can join us online. You can even go back and look at the previously recorded classes. They're excellent. He's doing a great job. God bless you all. Have a great week.